The Casey Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. I am Sterling Holmes live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We will be here until 7 p.m. for the Chiefs Legends Show. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs players, getting their inside perspectives on their career, the past Chiefs game, and a look ahead to the upcoming one. Tonight's special guest is former Chiefs Center and Ring of Honor member, Tim Grunard. Grunny, how are you? It's great to be here with you guys again here at the Hollywood Casino. As I walked in, the the holiday uh, uh, trees and lights and all the, the uh, uh, great uh, uh, decorations. So it's here. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving is kind of the time where I, we kick off listening to Christmas music oh, yeah. and we put the, the lights on at the house. So the day after. It's here, man. The holiday <laughs> season is here. And we got a nice little gift on Sunday from the Kansas City Chiefs. It looked ugly for a minute. We'll get into that. But uh, a nice gift from the Chiefs with a victory. Uh, it's always nice to beat those damn Raiders. Oh, my gosh. Sure. It, that, the, the first quarter had me pulling my hair out. And then from second quarter on, yeah. I was like, okay, now we are back to normal Arrowhead West. You, you mentioned Christmas music. What's your go-to album? Oh, you got a favorite one here. Uh, you know what? Uh, a big Alan Jackson nice. uh, country uh, nice. Christmas uh let it be Christmas everywhere. That's one of my favorite That's songs great. of all time. I like country. I like Johnny Cash Christmas. Sure. I'm more of the the old school. Uh, you know, um, you know the kind of the old uh, traditional Christmas music. Not a big fan of the new Christmas music. Sure. Uh, Mariah Carey. I, I'll listen yeah. to some Mariah Carey, but other than that. Uh, mostly country Christmas. Yeah, so I'm a little different end of the spectrum there. I like both. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I can all all in with Alan you Jackson. Like the, you like the rap Christmas? No, 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 no. James Brown, a funky Christmas. Oh, funky! That's where I'm going. <laughs> that, that one is is my go-to. All right, there that's, you go. that's my go-to. And I did Perfect. want to point out, you are the new record holder. We, we keep track of who gets here at what time. You are now the earliest chiefs member to get here 21 well, minutes i told you minutes why early. tell everybody why <laughs> i want you to explain this one so because. the first time we hear that there was a little construction going on and we got a little nervous we, we said grunny he might be a little late and so i was telling <laughs> this to Duran cherry because Duran cherry last week was actually the or his two weeks ago was yeah. the the new record holder he got here 12 minutes early right so i'm sitting clapping up Duran cherry and he apparently came to you and started to trash talk you he did he started trash talking so so grunny comes here Almost before we're here set up. We're not even set up yet. And Grunny's walking in. I'm like, he did this for a reason. He heard. I did. <laughs> I did. Duran came and said, I heard you were late for the show. I said, what are you talking about? It wasn't late for the show. I said, we had a hard time finding it because, you know, they didn't have this beautiful uh, sports book open like they do now. They're doing some construction, and they're still working out. This is going to yeah. be awesome here, guys. You guys got to come and check this place out. Hollywood Casino, the, uh, the sports betting is going to be outstanding here. But, uh, yeah, so I, was, I wasn't late, but, uh, you know, I probably rolled in right around the time that we were starting the show. But he gave me some crap about it. And I'm like, you know, that is like my pet peeve of pet peeves. Anybody who's late. I used to live on what we used to call the LLH time, Lewis Leo Holtz time. If you were five minutes early, you were late. So I'm always trying to be a little bit early. So I got here early enough just to make sure that I pimped you guys a little bit about not <laughs> being late for the show. Uh, so, but it's great to be here with you again, Sterling. Well, the Chiefs were a little late. Yeah, right? it looks like they, they they waited to get off the bus until the second quarter. Let's start with that first. Why did they start off so sluggish? Because that was 
alarming. I, I know that the Raiders are riding high after firing Josh McDaniels and Antonio Pierce has now taken over and Aiden O'Connell. The vibes are high. But again, they still lost last week. It's been, what, going on week three now, week four. The Chiefs needed to get right. They just came off a huge, devastating loss to the Eagles, right? You right. know, they had that game. They did not score in the second half. And then they came out flat. Why was that? Well, it was a sloppy start. You're exactly right. The first quarter, they found themselves down 14 points, and they're really lucky they weren't down 17 and maybe even 21. I didn't understand why they they didn't go for it on fourth and one, uh, about the 10-yard line, and and, uh, uh, their kicker missed the the kick uh, to put about 10, which – you know, then I was like, okay, here we go. You know, we, you know, we got, we get, a, we get the offense going. They went three and out, and then the, I believe it was uh, who was the running back um, had a nice big run. Josh and, Jacobs. Yeah, Josh Jacobs uh, had a big run, and they scored. They were down fourteen. Hey, you know, it was an emotional game. I think you hit it right on the head against the Eagles. Uh, you know, the Monday night hangover is a real thing. You know, uh, coming off really, if you think about it, coming off Germany. Uh, and then, you know, having the bye week and then coming off an emotional game. They're just kind of out of sorts. Uh, but this was my favorite game of the year so far because it showed me something. They were down 14, and this team, they went out and they found something. And listen, the first drive of the game, zero yards on the opening drive. And, uh, you know, it looked like the first quarter they weren't going to have the ball more than like three or four minutes in the whole first quarter. Uh, but they found something. They they went in and uh, they sat there and they said, hey, "Listen, number one, uh, you know we've got to wake up here a little bit. Number two, we got to find something here offensively to to uh, uh, you know get this thing going." And they did that. So really happy with the way that they responded after being down because you know I've been there. I've sat there on the sideline when you were coming off of maybe a, a, a game that you you. Uh, wanted to win, you probably should have won, and you, you kind of let it slip between your fingers, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there in the first quarter, and you're like, man, here we go again. Yeah. And you can get down on yourselves, and you can get down on your players next to you, and you can get down on you know the coaching and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and the Chiefs didn't do that. So congratulations to the Chiefs. I was I love the way they bounced back. For me, the biggest, and you, and you hit on it here, is the adjustments. That was the biggest takeaway I had because throughout the season so far, it's been other teams adjusting to Kansas City. Now at times, obviously they're 8-3. and three. They've done enough in the first half that they've gotten by with. And even the defense, right? The defense hasn't really been challenged a ton this season. They've came out and laid their dominance, and it's been from, from snap one to the end of the game. But this game, they got punched in the mouth, and then how did they respond? They haven't had to do that yet, and they did in this game. So for Spags to adjust, that was huge to me. And then Andy Reid, I want to talk about this really quickly because I think they found something here. If you're expecting 2018 Chiefs offense, I think you're, you're, you're out of luck here. But what you saw is what they can do when they take care of the football, when they stay ahead of the chains, when they don't have – they had a couple, but not a ton of penalties. They run the ball effectively. This works. They can still put up 31 points. It's going to be different. It's, it's a little slice and dice. It's no longer these huge explosive plays. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's bad. And the physicality is what stood out to me. Because we, we, we talked all the time about how this is a finesse offense, right? A finesse offense. Well, when they went away from being finesse and went physical, what happened? Something yeah, clicked. Absolutely. And they did a really good job of moving the sticks on third down. I thought they went back to it wasn't a fullback because they don't have a fullback. <laughs> But they did the, just the inside dive, is, and yeah. I love that. I mean, listen, just move the sticks, and let's say you have a prolific quarterback who who, who is all world when he when he gets into rhythm. Uh, and they did that. The other thing they did is they got Rasheed Rice going. And the reason why Rasheed Rice, I thought, had a great game is 
number one, um, they, they put him in a position where most of his routes were timing routes where he was moving. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, and, and I think young receivers sometimes, uh, when they, they run a route and they have to stop and then they have to come back for the ball, a lot of times they, they lose a little bit of that rhythm and they're thinking about, hey, am I in the right spot? Am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right adjustment? And they forget about what? Catching the football. Yeah. Uh, Rashid Rice did a really nice job. Both of his big plays were slants, and they were plays where his feet were moving, and he didn't stop. And because he was moving, he didn't have time to think about catching the ball. He thought about, hey, listen, i got to get to this spot. And they led him, and they caught the ball. Number one, I thought that that was a great thing. Number two is, I don't know if you noticed this, but they, they stacked Rashid Rice with Travis Kelsey. And Rasheed Rice was inside of Kelsey, which I think opened up Kelsey a little bit for some of the stuff that he wants to do. And the other thing is it put Rasheed Rice in a position where the safety or the linebacker had to make a decision, okay, am I going to take Rasheed Rice here in this situation, in this stack, or am I going to take Travis Kelsey? And either one they chose at that point was wrong. I thought Andy Reid did a really nice job. And the other thing that Rasheed did is, you know, he chipped off sometimes off of the defensive end because he's a bigger guy. Yeah. And when you chip, a lot of times guys will take their eyes off you. Linebackers and safeties, even corners, will take their eyes off of that guy and, and who's doing the chipping, and he got that or that release, and he was able to release and make some plays. So I thought that the Chiefs did a really good job of taking the two more the more prolific ball catchers in Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice and they switched them up and they moved them around and they and they did some things to kind of take the the uh the onus off of of the play call and put it on the defense. They dictated the action to the defense instead of the other way around, and that was a good thing for this offense. What also stood out with the wide receivers, again, I want to give actually a, a huge shout-out to MVS, right? We were very hard on him for the drop, yeah. and, and, and again, we, we should be. You expect a professional athlete who's getting paid that to come down with him. What did he do this game? Didn't pout. He came back and had a huge block. And by the way, yeah. on that exact play, he was wide open. Mahomes didn't see him. Again, he was probably last in that progression, so he never would have got to him, but he was wide open, blown coverage, and instead of pouting and saying, I should have got that ball. That should be a touchdown for me. What did he do? Set up a huge block for Rasheed Rice. But but what I also noticed was without McCole Hardman, without Kadarius Toney, the wide receiver room shrunk down, but also the snaps. What happened? Kadarius, I mean, uh, Rasheed Rice, more snaps. Everyone felt like they got into a better rhythm. Do you think this should be the the move going forward, the, the shrinkage of the wide receiver core? I absolutely do. I think you got to have Rasheed Rice on the field as much as you've possibly can and the yards after catch were impressive by him once again moving catching the ball uh you can use his speed his uh, his burst uh his awareness a little bit better when he can catch the ball when he is moving and i thought that was good that might be uh one of the things that could separate him from the other receivers now if you get him in a position where he's uh, uh could catch the ball moving and he's on the field more hey, listen everybody's wanted him on the field everybody's wanted to see this guy's uh uh, uh, uh targets move up and I think that's going to be a good thing for this offense. That doesn't mean the other guys, because I, th- I thought Sky Moore had a couple nice plays too. Yeah. And you know, and I agree with you. You know, I think sometimes you have so many guys, and you have so many guys trying to get out, get those guys on the field to see who's going to be the separators. Well, the separators showed themselves this week. Rasheed Rice did a nice job. Travis Kelsey once again had six catches for 91 yards, and you know, and that was with still double teaming him and triple teaming him. And then the other thing is Sky Moore made a couple nice plays. You know. And, and that opens things up too. Listen, they, they've got to find ways 
to get the ball to some other people and open Travis Kelsey up. And I thought they, they, they made a step forward in doing that. And Pacheco ran really, really hard again. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did a good job yeah. on third down. Yeah. I mean, he was in there. He picked up some blitzes, and he also creeped out and made a couple plays. And uh, that, that you know, with McKinnon being hurt, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire picked up his play too. So good stuff from this team, especially the, the, the second half. You know, listen, in the first half, the Raiders had 245 yards, 7.9 yards, 7.9 yards a, uh, a play, and the Chiefs shut them down basically in the second half, and that was big for this team. Yeah, Devontae Adams had 73 yards, and all of those came in the first half. Legereus Sneed, again, the adjustments. That, again, was my biggest takeaway. The coaches, the players, the adjustments made on both sides of the ball. Tim Gronarda is our guest here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. We're here live. Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway for the Chiefs KC Legends show. You mentioned Sky Moore. He juked Marcus Peters so bad, Peters got waved. I don't know if you heard this. Marcus no. Peters now gone from the I Raiders. I did not know that. Yeah, wow. Marcus Peters now gone from the Raiders. Sky Moore just made him look too bad, I guess. Yeah, that, that's awesome. <laughs> and you know what? Listen, this Chiefs organization, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, you're, you're always going to have a game or two that you're, that you're not happy with. But this Chiefs organization has found a way to stay solid for many years now. And all under Andy Reid and, you know, under – uh, under this regime, and and I think the three things you look for that with an, a, a strong organization is number one, uh, you got to have strong player development. The young guys have got to make a smooth transition from college to pro, and you're seeing that with Snead and Cook and McDuffie uh, and Bolton and, and Karloftis and Gay on the defensive side and the offensive side. You see Smith and 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 Creed Humphrey. Uh, and then you see, you see in Rice and Pacheco, if you, in the other section, so that's the first thing you have to develop the guys that you draft. And listen, this, some people say, well, well, that's all part of the draft. Well, number two is a draft. You know, and number, and, and 223, they picked up Rice, and right now he's becoming that number one receiver that we all hoped that he be, could become. And in 22, they got McDuffie, they got Cook and Pacheco, all solid contributors yeah. for this team. In 21, they got Bolton, Humphreys, and Smith. I mean, think about that. You're looking at the core of this football team from 23, 22, and 21. And then 20, you know, what we call it a recruiting class, the four years of, uh, of the draft, the four years of the recruiting class uh, that, uh, you know, you look at, hey, listen, just like in college, you look at four years in the draft also. You got Gay, Sneed, and Dana. So it's been a good recruiting class over the last four years, a good draft over the last four years. And, and, and this is solid, uh, for, for the Chiefs to be able to find that core, find those guys, find those people. And that's why you're not seeing the big drop off, I think, from the Chiefs, because they've done a good job of developing the guys they drafted, drafting well. And then the third thing is always financial. The Hunt family is willing to spend. The Hunt family is willing to, you know, put their money up. Now, listen, I know, unlike baseball, uh, there's a salary cap. So there is a limit to what they do, but they have spent their money wisely over the years, and the Hunt family's done a good job. So you got strong player development, you have a good draft, and and the financial means of flexibility by the Hunt family, and that's why this Chiefs organization has been so strong. And I think we're very blessed and very lucky right now to have guys like Andy Reid and 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 have uh, uh, the GM John Blank and uh, Brett Veach. Yeah, Brett Veach, and then you know you have the Hunt family willing to spend. That is a big-time plus. That's why this team hasn't had the big drop-off you're seeing. Hey, listen, you see it with the Bengals. 
You're seeing it with the Bills. Uh, you're seeing it um, a little bit with some – I mean, obviously the Raiders and, and some of these teams have never been able to get up there because you've got to have those three things. And the Chiefs have done an unbelievable job of developing their draft players and also having the means to spend and do a good job like the Hunt family's done. Well, it also seems like they have veterans who also understand it's more than just them and they buy into the organization. And, yeah. that, and that's a huge thing. It, just as far as Justin Reed understands that Brian Cook, Mike Edwards, some of the Chamari Connor may be there to take his job, but what do they do? He does a great job. He still teaches these dudes. Um, you you want to say Alex Smith and Mahomes. How many quarterbacks in the NFL would do that? This guy's taking my job, and I am still going to make sure he knows what he is supposed to do. That's a great point. I, I don't know if you see that in every single organization, but you see it here in Kansas City. I'd like to ask, when you play, did you have some of that same philosophy? Did you have a lot of the veterans trying to help the young guys? It, yeah, I did for sure, because Mike Webster was a guy that kind of broke me in. And, and he, the, the, it was a unique situation because Mike was older. He really didn't want to play. But when I came in, I never played center. I was a guard in college. And all of a sudden, Howard Mudd came up and flipped the ball to me and said, Hey, you're going to play center. And I said, Well, oh, okay. And, and, <laughs> sure. And who, and who's the other center? Mike, Mike Webster. I'm like, Mike Webster, the Hall of Fame center from the Steelers. He goes, Yeah. And you know, and he's going to help you to make that transition. You know, the, the first game of the year, uh, Mike played the first two series, and then I went in. The second game of the year, he played the first series, and I went in. And then the third game of the year, it, he handed me the keys and said, go play. And that was a great transition for me. And then later on, I had a guy by the name of Brian Waters yeah. who, you know, played fullback. He was a fullback for the Dallas Cowboys. He wasn't really an offensive lineman. And, you know, so I was able to mentor him and give him an opportunity to learn the position because he was basically playing guard and then moved to center. And the rest is history, an unbelievable center in the NFL. So that's part of your role as a veteran guy is to, you know, be able to develop guys. And it's good for you. It's good for the team. And these guys, listen, they want to win Super Bowls. Um, you know, they all want to be paid, but they all want to win Super Bowls. In order to win Super Bowls, you got to develop, once we talked about those younger guys, and the older veterans have got to buy in and say, hey, listen, I know that this guy may be gunning for my position, but if I can get this guy to be a better football player and get this guy to be in a position where he's going to help me win a, a Super Bowl ring, then they'll buy into those kind of things. I want to get your thoughts here on a young offensive tackle for Kansas City, and that's Wanye Morris. He yeah. came in, it was only five snaps. It was tough to really get a good feel, right? I'm trying to watch him, but you have five snaps to go off of. Not a ton. Uh, when Donovan Smith went out with that minor injury, he obviously came back into that game. First play, you can could, could tell Wanye was very uh, amped up. He, 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 he was blocking to the echo of the whistle and then the echo of the echo yeah. uh, but you like to see that right he, he's amped up in that moment would you like to see Wanya Morris get some more opportunity as the season goes on I, I know it's obviously difficult when you're winning ball games the offensive line especially the interior is so good but the tackles have had their issues right it, it, mostly yeah. with penalties right right and if you think Wanya Morris might be part of your future Donovan Smith only on a one-year contract I, I know you're not trying to build for the future when you're in a Super Bowl type of season but part of me still wants to see him get a little more opportunity to see what they actually have with him. What are your thoughts on trying to get him a little more snaps? Yeah, that, that's, uh, more a slip, snaps? that's a slippery slope because, yeah, you, you got a couple veteran guys in, and, and uh, you know, um, in order to get a guy some reps, that means you're going to have to take out, you know, one of your, your the guys that you signed to a contract to come in, as you said, as a one-year contract. Uh, I don't know. That That's a great Donovan, Donovan Smith uh, – 
Um, he uh, obviously had that little injury, and, and Wande Morris came in and played okay for those those five or six snaps. But yeah, he is the future, and there's there, you know, and eventually, you know, I think that he's going to be the guy that's going to be able to step up. And as a as a offensive lineman, very rarely, I mean, we saw it with Creed Humphreys, we saw it with Trey Smith, but very rarely do those guys come in and they walk in as rookies. I mean, there's a big difference between playing in the NFL and playing in college at the, oh, yeah. up front and uh, on the offensive line. And you know, I was lucky enough to, I guess, is lucky. But the reality is that, you know, a lot of times these guys sit around for two or three years and then they play 15 or 16 years. Yeah. And, that, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a big time uh, career with some big time contracts. Uh, so, you know, I came in and played 11 years and I played right from the first year. Uh, looking back, it would have been nice to be able to kind of learn under a guy for three or four years <laughs> sure. and then play another 11 and play 15 or 16 years <laughs> like some of these guys do. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, we, we've had, Creed Humphrey step in and play well. Trey Smith step in and play well. And 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 Wanda Morris is a guy that I think is going to be eventually going to be one of those guys and going to be a good football player for for the Kansas City Chiefs. The future is bright for this team. They have a bunch of young guys that I think are solid football players. And Brett Feach has done a good job of of finding these guys. And Andy Andy Heck and Andy Reid and the offensive staff and the defensive staff have done a really nice job of developing some of these guys. And Spags, you see it with these young corners and young secondary. This is a great secondary, and they're all young guys. Yeah. I mean. Again- Again, Briscoe loves this stat. It's based on the amount of snaps. They're the youngest defense in the NFL still, yeah. which is crazy. I mean, we were talking to Jerron last or two weeks ago, and he kept saying, you know, these guys have now been in the system for a year. And I said, let me, let me stop really quickly. You said a year. We're not talking years for a lot of these guys. Right. It's a year. A year. And you can see what they've done with Spags in the system. I mean, let's talk about Spags really quickly because everything he touches is a masterpiece. He's Picasso this season. I mean, anything he touches has been glorious. It feels like he finally has the defense he's always wanted. The versatility, the ability to change in and out the parts, the moving pieces, you know, inside, outside on the defensive line. Cornerbacks who can go inside, outside. You know, you want to run a 4-3? How often do we see the Chiefs run a base 4-3? Hardly ever, but what happened against the Eagles? Right. They ran a 4-3 with Leo Chanel out there, and it worked. I mean... Just in my opinion, this is the deepest cupboard Spags has ever had to work with, and he's picking all the right ingredients. He is, and that NASCAR package that he runs with four defensive ends coming in and third down situations have been, has been great. And anytime you can get pressure with four, and, and then, listen, he's dialed up blitzes. He's been aggressive, and you can't be aggressive unless you trust the, those guys on the back end in McDuffie and Cook. And Snead have done, and 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 uh, and Reed, uh, they've all done a really good job. But when they've been put in a situation where they've had to play a little bit, man, cover zero, uh, because they were dialing up some blitzes, um, you know, they they've done a very good job of that. And the good thing is that they can get there with their blitzes. They brought corners, they brought safeties. Uh, they've done a good job of dialing things up. Look at the Dolphin game at the very end of that game. The Chiefs dialed up a blitz and put Tua in a position where he was uncomfortable and the center was uncomfortable. And the snap was a little bit errant, and it, it won the football game for him. Um, you know, uh, if, if you dial him up, you got to get there. But if you dial him up and don't get there, you got to trust the guys in the back end. And everybody's like, well, Sneed, you know, he's had a lot of penalties. Well, you know what? You, you put a guy in a position <laughs> – where he's one-on-one with the best receiver and you're blitzing and you don't get there right away, you're going to have those penalties. That's just part of the deal. And, and I've said, 
I live with that because when you yeah. see what Tyreek Hill did, when you see what A.J. Brown did at one catch for eight yards Absolutely. and he had one penalty, yeah. uh, you will take that because what does A.J. Brown do in the six games prior? 125 yards, an NFL record. So, yeah, I will take the one penalty that was, quite frankly, not even a hands to the face on the Jerry. And it, listen, we've had the uh, uh, opportunity now to watch Philly play a couple games before and after the Chiefs. And, and Smith, the wide receiver, also. So they got Brown and Smith, and they shut both of those guys down. And, I mean, that's amazing. And the thing that I love the most about it was that, uh, um, that the, uh, that they were upset when they gave up that quarterback draw. That, and Kelsey pulling around. They practiced that. That was one of the things that they made a point of emphasis. And they, you know, they did a pretty decent job in a couple of plays, but he did score in one of them. And you know what? And 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 Chris Jones came off and I saw that and was reading the ride act, the guys, because they didn't do it exactly the way they practiced, and that's a good way to keeping each other accountable. We are here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway for the KC Legend Show. We'll be here until at seven PM. Chiefs Hall of Fame. Tim Grunard is our guest. We will take a quick quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas at Speedway until 7 p.m. Tim Grunard is our guest. Grunny, i got to ask you something here. As a center, you're going to have way more information on this than everyone else. Is there a reason why we saw it obviously against the Raiders, but some trepidation of running under center, these halfback dives, these fullback dives, is because you don't ever operate from under center. How often is Patrick Mahomes right underneath Creed Humphrey? Even in college, right? Because Creed Humphrey played at Oklahoma, shotgun. Mahomes at Texas Tech, shotgun. So is there a little bit of a, you know, they're not quite as comfortable there, so they're used to having the handoff in shotgun? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dying art. It certainly is, uh, having the quarterback underneath. And I think there's some positives to it. I think a lot of times with play action, uh, you, you, I know you, people want to run uh, some of this RPO stuff, but, uh, you know, I think teams do a, a better job of having a guy underneath and running play action and underneath running some of these RPO things because it just gets those linebackers to bite a little bit harder than they, they when this guy's not in the shotgun. But you're right. I mean, you know, they don't do it as much. And, hey, listen, we, we saw the Eagles game the other day, uh, and uh, uh, Kelsey was, I don't know what, what the, the deal was. It was a, There was some kind of flinch or something he was doing. He had two key penalties yeah. for uh, uh, a legal procedure um, in the last, in the fourth quarter right at the end. And, you know, that doesn't happen if you go underneath. It, so, I don't know. It, it's a dying uh, art. Uh, some teams will do a couple of couple times a game but yeah you just don't see the shotgun i i loved the quarterback being underneath uh uh because i just felt like you know i had more connection with the quarterback and i I knew i could feel when that snap count we he they always kind of give you a little bit of a uh, for lack of a better word little movement early and you feel it and you get to snap it when you're in the shotgun, you don't feel that. A lot of times you can't hear it as well, and you're, you're depending on the guard to move his hand, and yeah. all of a sudden, you, you know, you're, it's all that timing stuff. So I don't know. But to, to answer your question, uh, I like it when they go underneath because I think, especially in third down, 
in short and fourth down and short situations. It just gets you closer to the action, and the dive is a little bit quicker. And the Chiefs, I think they're going to have to do that a little bit more. Yeah, just the cohesion of the offensive line seems, yeah. seems like it would make more sense under center in these short yard situations. Again, small sample size here, but if you have the sample size throughout history, sure shows you that that seems to be the best way to pick up short yardage situations here. I always was I was always freaking out back in the day, and I've and I gotten used to it a little bit more, but why are you know, fourth and inches and you've got your quarterback five yards back? <laughs> And the, and the running back is seven yards back. I mean, instead of having him right underneath and get as quick, the quicker you can get to the line of scrimmage, the quicker you can get behind your pads, the quicker you can get behind those offensive linemen, the better success you have in those kind of situations. Uh, so it was always one of those things where I can't believe they're doing this, but you, it's happened so much now that it's just part of the, it's part of the, the, the repertoire now that you see shotgun situations in short, short yardage and and especially, you know, fourth and inches or whatever. And now you got the, the tush push and all those yeah. kind of things. So it's coming back a little bit with the quarterback the, in the center being underneath. Yeah, I mean, he, but it's not just the Chiefs. You look around the NFL, and I yeah. saw one. It was a fourth and one. And the handoff, the running back ran into the quarterback at a shotgun. And, of course, four defenders were already there. And I'm just sitting here going, well, that's what you get. You kind of deserve that for, for trying to get too cute. Um, in regards to the tush push, one, do you think it should be eventually – outlawed and two would you like to have ran that <laughs> i would have loved to have run that and we did some quarterback sneaks it wasn't quite like that uh but you know um i listen we used to have the uh, uh the preseason meetings right at, in training camp where the officials would come in sometimes the commissioner would come in and talk about the new rules and anytime there was an offensive rule that was being changed for the offense, we'd all stand and cheer. It was like it was like the Republicans and the Democrats, you know, at the uh, State of the Union. When you hear something you like, everybody stood up, and then on the other side, they would stand up. Uh, so I, I never fight about anything that helps the offense or the offensive line to have success. So uh, I would stand up and cheer that uh, rule uh, being uh, continued. But I, I think you're going to see a, ch- uh, a change. Uh, for I think you know they're a little concerned with. They're, they're talking about the health of the player. You know, you got guys' heads down. I mean, you're talking about putting guys in tough, precarious positions where their heads are down and they're diving into each other. But, um, you know, a, it'll be interesting to see because now what teams are doing is they're, they're actually running plays off of that where yeah. you, now you're seeing some counters off of it and some tosses off of it and some outside zone stuff off of it, which, um, you know, now it's really hard to stop. Philly, I think, did it two or three times over the last couple of weeks where they lined up to do the, the tush push and they ran something outside. Yeah, I think they have a – I saw a stat somewhere. It may have been a 93% chance of conversion when they run yeah. the tush push, which is just absolutely absurd. But, again, they're like the only team that can run it. So part of me sitting here going, they almost deserve it. This is a skill set they have. Why it might look like a, a bunch of nothing – they, they work on that. There's a reason why their quarterback can squat 600 pounds and pick it up. That that helps just a little there. And Kelsey just has a knack of getting low and keeping his feet moving. And you know, had him on. I think it was one of the Sunday night or Monday night games. I think it maybe might have been even in Chicago the last time. And he had the bye week, and they had him on. And they were talking about you know the technique, and he's like, yeah, you know, if you can't stop your feet, you got to keep moving because guys will fall on you. And if you stop your feet, you're not going to get that push. And he said, but yeah, it gets ugly down there. And I can, I can 
uh, admit that, yeah, there was times when it gets ugly down in, in, in some of those short yardage and goal line situations with, you know, a bunch of guys on top of you and it gets claustrophobic and it's pretty nasty down there. But, you know, hey, not, you can't argue with 93%. No, no, you cannot. Tim Grunard is our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Roderick Teamer for the Raiders was released today as well with Marcus Peters. But this was a little different situation. You know, Roderick Teamer was arrested Saturday night on his way to the team hotel per a source in charged with a DUI of alcohol and or controlled or prohibited substance in a basic speeding violation. But they Going played on the Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, my thought process... How? Yeah. Like, 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 cause are, are you normally in a team hotel? Like, how is this even a possibility? And how Raiders is this? Yeah, that's, that's Raider-esque. Uh, but, you know, it used to be where we would, uh, drive over, uh, to the team hotel on Saturday, uh, afternoon and, and we'd, you know, offensive line, we'd get together and go out to dinner somewhere. Uh, and then we'd have meetings and all that kind of stuff. And then there were years where we didn't even go to a team hotel. We stayed in our own house and just went right to the game under Marty early in, in his uh, in his tenure. And then, you know, guys were going out a little bit on Saturday nights. I think a couple of guys were caught down at Kelly's and, you know. <laughs> it's a good bar, though. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. come on. Oh, yeah. The temptation's there. The temptation was there. But, uh, yeah, but I've never heard of guys getting liquored up and then going to the team hotel. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that that's a little Raider-esque. Uh, and that'll get you, that'll get you, that'll get you kicked off the team pretty quick, uh, showing up again to DUI on the way to a team event. Yeah. That's probably not a good idea. Yeah, I was wondering the logistics there, so thank you for helping me out there, because that, that did seem like a pretty far-fetched thing to happen, yeah, but yeah. of course it, yeah. uh, it sure enough, it, it did for the Raiders. Uh, speaking of the, a, just of the AFC in general here, the, the Broncos now are second behind Kansas City at six and five. They've won five straight. Yeah. Who would have thought? They've won five straight, and they've they've done it with Russell Wilson playing good, not spectacular, but he, he, it seems like he realized he's no longer the old Russell Wilson. He finally accepted that, and it's helped out. It, it's helped that they're now saying, you know what, we're just going to take care of the ball. The defense turned around ever since that 70-point beatdown, right? Yeah. But by Miami, they're like, that's enough. That ain't going to happen again. Are the Broncos sneakily a pretty good team now? Well, you know, Sean Payton's a good football coach, and he's always been a good football coach. And good football coaches find ways to get their teams to win. And and he's been able to do that. He's been able to kind of keep that team together, uh, keep them motivated. I think there's some young football players on that team that uh, uh, that are buying in, and that's important for for uh, the organization. Uh, but yeah, defensively they did a really nice job. And listen, when they beat the Chiefs, that gave them a, a shot of adrenaline yeah. uh, to to you know get on this run that they're on. So uh, will will the Broncos uh, be a contender in the playoffs this year? I doubt it. But you just—you never know. I mean, they got a better chance, I think, than Buffalo does. Yeah, they do, and they and, actually uh, beat Buffalo, so they'd have the tiebreaker. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, uh, the Denver Broncos—they—it's uh, uh, a proud organization, and it just—it's been in a bad, bad situation for a couple of years now. And I think that you know the coach and 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 the front office there and the assistant coaches have done a good job of bringing in people that will buy in. And bringing in people that uh, believe in the system, and they've done a good job of, of kind of staying the course. And here they are in a position where they've won some football games, and they've done a good job with it. And you know, uh, I I think, listen, I like it when the Denver Broncos are good, 
because you know what? It it just it just the NFL is better. There's certain teams in college, you know. And I can say, when Notre Dame is good, college football is better. Mizzou, right. When, when, Mizzou's, yeah, when Mizzou's good, is good college football is better. <laughs> no, like, but you know, when you, there's certain teams that, you know, hey, listen, when they're good, when USC is good, and I hate USC, yeah. college football is better. When the Denver Broncos are good, the NFL is in a better position. It's, it just stinks to have just the Chiefs blown everybody out in the AFC West. And as much as we might love it, and much as it might take a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, are the angst uh, off of us when we just blow people away. But, you know, the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos have not been very good of late. No. And, you know, it's you know it's not bad to have somebody in your in the conference you look forward to having a, uh, a really good rivalry football game. Yeah, the Chargers are interesting because, you know, they've they've hung, what, seven straight AFC West preseason banners, I think, up there. You know, they just keep the, the, the off-season awards. Yeah. That, that's all they have going Always. on for them. But they're an interesting team. They're four and seven. They somehow have a positive point differential. I think everyone agrees that Justin Herbert is extremely talented. He puts his players a lot of times in places to make plays and to succeed. There's been a first rounder on a wide receiver just for him to drop the ball two weeks ago. It would have had a walk in touchdown to win it. Yeah. But they keep finding ways to lose games. I mean, they've changed quarterbacks from, from Rivers to, to Herbert. They've changed, uh, you know, head coaches multiple times. They've changed cities and nothing seems to matter. I, do you fire Brandon Staley? Because at what point are you also like, how much is that the difference here? I'm, I'm a little surprised he does still have his job because I thought after he lost to Green Bay, that was going to be it. But yet yeah. here he is. He loses again. He's now calling out folks in the media. Yeah, that's, that's it's when a bad you, look. <laughs> that's when you're you're getting ready to get fired is when you start calling the media out and, and saying, hey, listen, you know, I'm calling the defense out. Listen. The defense played better this week for them. The offense couldn't score. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, which one is it? You know, which team's going to show up? You know, for a while the offense was carrying the team and the defense couldn't stop anybody. And now the defense made a, uh, had a couple good games and the offense can't score. So that's when you find you, listen, you have Eckler and you have, uh, uh, um, you have Herbert and, uh, you have Keenan Allen. I mean, you got some talent on that offensive side. And you got to be able to, you know, score points, and they just did not score any points this last week, and it just, it's just not a good look for that team. And and I think that that team may be a little lost, and they may be looking for a new coach after this yeah. year. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good football coaches that are going to get fired. Hey, Frank Reich, yeah. listen, I know Frank Reich. This is two, he's been fired now two years in a row from two different organizations, which is not not easy to do. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, he's a good football coach, and he just has put himself in some bad situations. Somebody's going to hire that guy, and he's going to make a good run with somebody. And the same thing with Staley and all this. Some of the, they're good football coaches going to get fired. And there are some bad football coaches that are going to get fired, too. So there's some guys that are going to be looking for some jobs for a long time. But it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, it's starting to fall now where some coaches are getting fired. But, Right after the season's over, as you always know, like that Monday is Black Monday for head coaches in the NFL. There's going to be about four or five guys that get get fired pretty quick, including Ron Rivera, probably Washington. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can name about four or five coaches right now just off the top of our heads that are going to be – if they don't get fired before the end of the year, they'll get fired on that Monday right after the season's over. Yeah, one of the coaches who's uh, coaching tonight, potentially, Matt Eberflus, might yeah, be uh, – yeah, he, he might be gone. I do want to ask you, though, and get your thoughts on this – how, 
how long should a head coach get? Obviously, it's, it's different from case to case, but just in general terms here, like Frank Reich, he got 11 games, even though people know he's a pretty darn good head coach. Brandon Staley's now in, what, year four, year five, and it feels like the, the talk about the hot seat's been going on for three years now, yet he is still there. Mm-hmm. He, you know, I, I, for one, find it a little hard, because even as a Mizzou fan, right, because Mizzou's fine, right? But we're, we're not a, a perpetual top ten school. You're yeah, like, but, but Drink Drink was taking some flack of the first couple of years he was there, and that's my point is because y- you gave Barry Odom a long enough time there, right? And then eventually you figure out that's who he is. And, and I said this year was the year for Drink. If you get another, you know, six win season, and you know Barry's done a nice job too at, UC, at sure, UNLV. Yeah, so I mean he's not a bad. He's done a great job at UNLV. Yeah. He, he he might win Coach of the Year. Yeah, with, with the job yeah. he's done at UNLV. But but the point is. There's always that fine line of, is this the guy and this is still a building block season, or is it, you know what, we've seen enough, now it's time to go? Well, I think you go back to what we talked about with this organization. Can you develop players? And and uh, I think it takes two or three years to get your system implemented with the players that you bring in. So you, let's go back to what I was talking about, strong player development. If you don't have strong player development, which means you can't develop the draft picks that you have, that's when you start to find yourself in a, in a situation where you, you're probably going to get fired. I think you got to give a coach at least three years. Let him get a couple drafts in, see how he develops the guys in that draft. And if you see after two or three years that, hey, listen, we're, we're drafting guys that have done an unbelievable job in college and are highly ranked guys, but they're not making that transition to, to the NFL, then you know what? Then you got to start scratching your head and say, you know, what's going on? And the other thing is, uh, I think that a lot of times the message, uh, you know, you got to have a consistent message. I think it, it's a weird dynamic now in the NFL, and and uh, this is my own personal opinion, is that I think that guys either want to be that player's coach and the friend with the player, or they want to be that Belichick where they want to be that guy up on the – on the uh, up in the tower, looking down and 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 not having any kind of relationship with the player, and there's a fine line as a coach that you have to walk. You got to have your players respect you. You got to have your players like you, but you also can't have your players think that you know they can walk all over you or that you know that that uh, that you um, are put yourself in a position where they won't listen to you because. You know, you guys are buddy buddy. That's sure. first, and then the other thing is, you can't have a coach that can't have any you know interaction with players uh, because he he can't because he doesn't have that personality. So it's a fine line, and that's why Andy does such a great job. I mean, Andy is not a player's coach per se, but you know the players love him, but they respect him, and 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 they know where they stand with him, and a lot of times. As when you, some of these coaches, you just don't know where you stand, and when you know where you stand with your players, then you got to have some, you have some issues, and you're not going to be around a long time. I, I had a chance to actually talk with Javon Curse about this because he was coached by Andy Reid for a couple years when he was in Philly, yeah. and he goes, you know, Andy Reid is he, he comes off as his players' coach, and you, he, he's so nice and kind, and he goes, I still get Christmas cards from Andy Reid and that family, yeah. and he was because I was only there three years, but he he still means the world to me, just just his relationship. 
But he goes, it's a player's coach, but not in the instance of you want to take advantage of. It's a player's coach in the instance of I want to win and do everything possible for you. Yeah, and that fine absolutely. line is, is one that I think a lot of head coaches have a lot of struggle with. Going to the Chiefs, playing the Packers, or heading to Green Bay, first and foremost, what was it like for you heading and playing in Green Bay? Cause I loved playing in Green Bay. I love the tradition of, of, of schools. I love tradition of the NFL. You know, I went to a school that was a little bit like the Green Bay of college football. Uh, you know, big time tradition. Uh, you know, uh, uh, legendary names. Uh, you know, kind of the old school stadiums. Although Notre Dame is now, you know, fixed up their stadium, and so has Lambeau. But those old time stadiums, and, and kind of in those small towns, when the whole town was behind, uh, behind the university or behind the uh, the NFL team. Uh, so I loved going and playing in, in Lambeau. I loved going and playing in Green Bay. Uh, I, I love the fans. The fans are, they're crazy. Uh, they're loud, but they're not obnoxious. I mean, yeah. there's obnoxious fans. I mean, you go to Buffalo, there's obnoxious <laughs> fans. You go to the Eagles, there's obnoxious fans. Yeah. Uh, you go to Green Bay, those fans are going to be loud. And it's a little bit like Denver, too. You know, I, I loved playing in Denver because Denver was a lot like Kansas City fans. They are loud and they were crazy. Uh, but I, most of the time they're respectful, uh, and, and that's all you ask. You go you play in Oakland or you go play in L.A. for the Raider fans. It was yeah. brutal. And so, I mean, and then you went to the Chargers and there was nobody there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you go to Green Bay, man, you walk in there and you just feel the history of the NFL. You, the fans are great fans. Um, uh, the Packers are a weird team. You just never know what you're going to get with the Packers. Uh, Love is an interesting quarterback. Sometimes he looks like, man, boy, this, they found something to this guy. And then you're like, sometimes this guy's clueless. And yeah. What the hell is wrong with him? So I don't know. I don't even know what to think. I think the spread is like nine or something now, uh, which I think that will come down a little bit. Uh, but um, in Green Bay's been playing good defense. Uh, they, uh, they've been making some plays on the offensive side and they've been winning some football games. So, you know, you go up there and you, the weather is probably going to be crappy. Uh, you know, the fans are going to be loud and boisterous and a lot, and, and it's, I mean, it's, it's a cool place to play. If you ever have an opportunity to go and travel to an away game, I know everybody talks about going to Vegas because sure. it's Vegas, but if you want to go to a NFL football stadium that, it, when you walk in, you feel the history. When you walk in, you feel the pageantry of the NFL. When you walk in, you are you feel like you're walking back into time to watch the Green Bay Packers, you know, against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where you want to go. Go to a game at Lambeau, and you know, you go into this little town. Green Bay is a little town. It doesn't. I don't even know if the, I think you have to stay in Appleton at the <laughs> hotel. They don't even have a, a hotel that's really close to the stadium. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to go check it out because that's what the NFL, you know, was all about back in the day, and it gives you that kind of history and that good feel of it. Tim Gronard right here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas at Speedway for the KC Legend Show. We will take a quick break, come back. I want to talk about your, you, you play in some snow, what, what that's like for you, as well as sure. tonight's game, Vikings-Bears, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB, again live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Tim Grunard is our guest as we're going to talk about tonight's 
game. Bears-Vikings Monday Night Football in Minnesota. Josh Dobbs still the dude. Six and five, the Vikings are vying for a playoff spot with the Bears. They're great for three quarters, and that fourth quarter comes along, and they find ways to choke away games. Grunny, what are you looking forward to tonight? I'm looking for my Bears to bear down. <laughs> Chicago Bears, we're going to fight, going to fight for history. You know why uh, no one knows that song? Because they don't win enough. They to, don't win nobody enough. Nobody sings it anymore. Know, yeah. Uh, yeah, what am I looking for tonight? I'm looking for Fields to... Uh, I think I took him. I was over here doing a little bit of betting. Uh, I have him on the over. I think it's 48 yards rushing. Ooh. So the prop bet, um, I have the uh, Bears uh, money lining. Mm, bold. I know, You're I know, bold. I know. I think it's only three, though. Yeah, the three-point dogs, yeah. So, um, you know, if, they, you know, if they're, they're going to win, they're going to win. If they're going to lose, they're going to lose. <laughs> but, uh, no, uh, the, uh, the Bears uh, – uh, Dobbs is an interesting quarterback. Uh, there, you know, he's uh, he's made some plays and he's done some exciting things over the last couple of weeks. So we'll see if they can get after him. And uh, what is it? Uh, the tight end? Uh, what's it? Hawk? Uh, T.J. Hawkinson. Hawkinson. They got to stop him. Uh, Madison's a good running back, but Hawkinson is the key. Jefferson is yeah. out uh, for the game. So uh, I think Herbert is back in playing for the for the cheese for the Bears. So uh, we'll see if they can uh, move the ball a little bit. And uh, Fields being back has given them a little bit of a shot in the arm. They they competed last week, although they did lose. They almost beat Detroit. Uh, they Joke blew again. that game. Perfect so tank job. I, I'm looking, Perfect I'm look, tank I'm look, job. I'm looking for the Bears to uh, get a bounce-back victory here. But then again, I'm looking at it through my Bears-colored <laughs> black and orange glasses. So. Really quickly, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. When it snows, just in case it snows in Green Bay, I went to one of the snow games actually against the Broncos a couple years ago here in Arrowhead. Yeah. So much fun for the for the fans, for the players. What's that like? I imagine it's fun for the offensive line. It's but, great but, for but, the but, offensive but line. Not much else. It's great for the offensive line. It slows the defensive lineman down. They can't uh, – I remember playing against Michael Dean Perry uh, up in Denver in 1995 when Marcus Allen jumped over the top and set the record for the most uh, rushing touchdowns in the NFL, I think NFL history. And uh, Michael Dean Perry uh, was a uh, hard guy to block. In that game, he couldn't move anywhere. So it was great. Uh, I was very happy that it snowed in that game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when it snows, offensive linemen, have, they cheer and have a big smile on their face. <laughs> Defensive linemen hate it. So there uh, you go. Before we get out of here, again, we are here at Hollywood Casino. What is your favorite casino game? Uh, I like to play blackjack. I am a blackjack player. Uh, bold or, or by the books? Uh, by my by the books guy. I am. Uh-huh. And if you're not playing by the books and you're at my table, I'm not very happy with you. <laughs> Uh, but you know, you got to hit at the right times, and you got to uh, uh, you know double down at the right times, and it's all about the odds. It's all about the percentages. So <laughs> don't be screwing it up. So I may pop over there and throw a couple hands and see what happens. <laughs> Grunny, this was a lot of fun. That was Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Grunard as we were here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. This was the KC Legend Show. Up next, Monday Night Football.